Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. How I want to be treated When I want to be treated I still will be kind to it Because my kindness is not based on what they do for me But what I desire to do for them Love is not jealous I have nothing to worry about Because I know that love conquers all It rules all I, I, can, I can withstand this thing Because I know that if I really love them I have nothing to worry about As long as they too love me And we talked about God's love for humanity And how he represented the true confidence As it relates to his love Through his ultimate sacrifice And we're going to find some of those same characteristics On today as we look into love's considerate reaction and when I thought about love, consider reaction, I was like, God, I need you to help me express this. What does it mean for love to be considerate? How is it important for love to be considerate? And I thought about how every weekday I have to struggle with Dallas traffic. I thought about how I leave this great south side of Dallas where people act like they got sense. They get out of each other's way. And somehow I make it just north of I-20 where it seems like everything goes crazy. I get there and, 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 and it seems like the same people who were just flowing with me are now against me. Oh, okay, okay. I, I'm trying to get to my destination just north of downtown on Knox Road and, and they have these things in the car, I'm trying to help somebody in case you don't understand, called blinkers. And, and what happens is you turn the blinker on to indicate that I am trying to move from one lane to the next lane. Uh, the objective is when I turn the blinker on that the person behind me would see my blinker and would then therefore back off or speed up so that I can then get over. But every day I get on this road and I get on this highway and I try to get to my destination and I try to do the right thing. I turn on my blinker. And it seems like when I turn on my blinker, people begin to ignore my blinker. I am one exit away. I'm going to miss it. You're going to make me have to make a whole U-turn. And I turn on my blinker. And literally, they just inch, inch, inch. I'm like, can you please just stop? We ain't going nothing but two miles per hour anyway. Just stop and let me get in front of you so I can go. But because of their inability to be considerate of the next driver, it causes an issue on the road. And so I've learned to drive like everybody else in the city. I don't care that there's a blinker on the car. I'm not going to use it. Because when I turn it on, you don't do the right thing anyway. And so I just then I just start inching over. Yeah, we going two miles. Yeah, I dare you hit my front bumper. I dare you hit my. And y'all know how y'all be behaving in that traffic. If everybody on the road was a little considerate, I believe that we wouldn't have as much traffic as we have. Most accidents occur because people are not being considerate. In the, in the morning when we're in that, in that traffic jam, it's people not considerate. I pass them every morning and they're on the side of the road and here they are, they were such in a rush to get from one place to the next place, but now because they wasn't paying attention or something was happening, they bumped into somebody, ran into somebody, and now everybody's standing outside looking at them and they driving by slow. Y'all done slowed down traffic even more when all you had to do was be considerate. Think of somebody else for a change. How does this affect them? But every once in a while, I get one of them good Texas folks that know how to drive. And I turn on my blinker and they'll back on up and they'll flash their lights to indicate that it is okay 
for me to get over. And I get over and, and I flash my hazards to tell them thank you. And we go on about our way. Life is a little less complicated when people are considerate of one another. Today, I want to talk to you about love's considerate reaction because I believe that love's considerate reaction is one of the most reactions that we lack in love. We do not oftentimes be considerate of those who we are in relationships with. I'm not talking about just companionship today. I need you to open your ears. I need you to hear me today. I'm talking about sometimes the church isn't considerate of people. Can I help you today? Can we just be totally transparent and honest today that sometimes we, we are not considerate of people because we watch them as they walk in, we judge them. They don't look like we look. They don't, they don't, they don't wear what we wear. They don't do what we do. And, and as a result of it, we feel a certain type of way. I was just in the store, and I hate to even share this. I don't know if my youth shared this with their parents already, but we were in, uh, we were in a shoe store yesterday because y'all know Pastor loves shoes. And we went to the shoe store, and uh, we were just going. I was trying to see what they swag like. Let me see. We, we vanning up. We are forcing what we doing. I wanted to see what, what was acceptable. And, and, and some of them told me I got an old folk taste. I was like, well, you just a hater. That's just in your blood. It is what it is. But we was in the store, and it was a group of us. And y'all know our church is diverse. We're mixed. We don't, we're not one color church. We, we're a balanced church. We, we encourage incorporating and bringing everybody in. But we had, um, we had a group of our African-American uh, uh, youth with us th- on yesterday and I'm there with them. And then we had my beautiful Mia who was there with us today, who is not African-American, but she is a Believer City representative. A- and we were in there and we were all having fun, cutting up, laughing, talking about these shoes. And this one individual walks up and he I speak to him. He doesn't even speak to me. I'm like, all right, God bless you. I'm just try- looking for some shoes anyway. And um, we're looking at shoes. And he comes back around and he comes up to me and like, excuse me, ma'am, can you, can you, or when you're done with them, can you come and help me? And I just look like, oh, she's with me. Same person that didn't want to talk to me, that didn't want to be considerate, didn't understand that she was with me. And, and literally came out of his mouth and said, oh, because you, um, and then uh, one of our brothers just looked and he's like, Pastor, did you just see what happened? And I was like, I was hoping y'all didn't see what happened <laughs> so that we can move on about this situation. But, but this is what happens when people are not considerate of one another. When they're not considerate of one another, it causes you to, to jump to conclusions. It causes you to make decisions and statements and things that you shouldn't be making because you're not considerate. Many marriages are broken because people are not considerate of one another. Many people leave churches because people are not considerate of one another. And the thing is, when you're being considerate of, uh, of another person, it requires you to think less of yourself and more of them. Requires you to back up a little bit and says, I want, I want, to, get, I want to get to know you better. There, there, there's this thing called Five Love Languages. If you hadn't read the book, uh, it's a great book to read. Uh, you can go do a survey online, Five Love Languages. And, and the, the way this thing is, uh, there, there's five love languages. Acts of service, gifts, quality time. Uh, baby, help me out. What else we got? Uh, uh, words of affirmation. And, 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 and one more. Acts of service, quality time, gifts, Words of affirmation, whatever the fifth one is, it can't be mine. 
Physical touch, yeah, physical touch. And, and so these, these things is, and me and my wife took this survey of these, these, acts, this, uh, these love languages. We took it. And the reason why we took it is because we wanted to, to identify everybody's love language. And, and, and I came from an upbringing that uh, I didn't always get a, that a boy, or you did a good job, uh, or whatever it was. And so for me, what makes me feel good is for me to say, man, you amazing, doc. You, you did that thing. It is you, you built that. You, you did this. And so when I go around the house and I clean up, I'll be like, baby, did you notice? I cleaned up. Look at, look at what I've done. My shoes are put where they belong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And her statement to me is, do you want a cookie? And I'm like, yes, I want a cookie. Matter of fact, bring me a whole pack of double stuffed Oreos because I did something I don't want to do, but I did it. Because I love you. Look at what I've done for you. And she's like, no, you did that for yourself. I walk around, look at this beautiful house I bought you. Where was you going to live? That's, I'm like, hold on, baby. Don't do me like this. And so I like to get that a voice. I like people to tell me, you've done a great job. That's, that's how you feed my love language. I don't need you to do, I can buy my own stuff. I can do whatever. I just need you to t- tell me I did good. That makes me feel good. My wife is different. She's quality time. And I have a problem with quality time because when I was raised, time is money and money is time. And so for her, she's like, I just need you to sit with me. Can you just watch TV with me? Can you just talk to me? Can you put your phone down for a second and just look at me? That's her quality time. That's what she desires. And it makes my blood cringe to give quality time because I could be at a computer studying. I could be doing a work assignment. I could be doing something because this time is money for me and money is time. But for me, if I really love her, I have to give her what she's seeking. I have to feed because this is the problem. This was when we had a major conflict in our house is that, um, I knew her love language, she knew my love language, but because even though either, either one of us knew he loves her, just because you know the love language don't mean you're going to do the love language. So I know what you need, but I don't want to do that. When you tell somebody you love them, it's essentially you saying, I'm going to be everything that you need me to be when you need me to be it. It's not saying that I love you because of what you're going to do for me. I love you for what I can do for you what I can pour into you. And so I had to develop that understanding and that's when the arguments and the confusion stopped because I began to understand that I just need to sit down and give us some quality time every once in a while. Chris, I know you're trying to build something for the future, but what if the future never comes? Can we operate in the now, right now? I, she, didn't, she was with me when I was broke, so she don't care if I ever get rich. Can you just be with me now? Amen. And so the other day she was upset. Uh, the house was not tidy like she desires it. And my kids take after me. They kind of drop stuff wherever they go. And, and I, uh, I could tell. I came home. It was a late night, and it was not tidy, and she was laying in bed. And I was like, baby, hey, I love you, baby. She said, don't touch me. I'm like, hold on, what? Where, where does this demon come from? What, what, what did I do this time? And so she was like, no, you don't want to talk about it. I said, no, 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 I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. And she's like, no, 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 no. You don't want to talk about it. Just leave me alone. Get away from me. Don't touch me. And I'm like, baby, hold on. Listen. And so we sat there and I said, you know what? I'm going to turn my phone off. 
And I just kept messing with her, baby, come on, I'm here for you. Look at me, I hadn't seen your face in a long time. Let me look into your eyes. And before you knew it, she just started laughing. She laid in the bed and she started laughing because I began to feed her love language. I began to give her what she desired. I gave her the quality time. And, but then she don't think I got away with it because she lashed out and told me, y'all didn't do this. Don't none of y'all love me. And I'm like, baby, we will do better. All week long, all I've been doing, your mama going to leave me if y'all don't clean up. You better clean up this house right now. That's, that's been my whole thing. That's been my whole thing. Like, she gone, y'all. It's going to be over. We can't do this by ourselves. Just pick up after you. And I go right into that room and look like, baby, you see what I did? I did that for you. And she just looks at me. You want a cookie? <laughs> we, when you really love someone, you do what you have to do to get it done. You're considerate. I believe this is what Paul was trying to stress in this text today when he says, love does not brag, love is not arrogant, does not act becomingly. Paul takes the first three stanzas and he essentially tells us what love is, but then he begins to tell us what love isn't. It does not brag. It does not, it's, it's not arrogant. It does not act unbecoming. I want to take a minute and just isolate these three different characteristics and talk about them, if you don't mind. When Paul writes and he says that it does not brag, I believe Paul is expressing to us that the consideration is a product of self-awareness. When it relates to love, consideration is a product of self-awareness. You have to know who you are. When you're in a relationship, you have to know who you are. People always say, oh, he completes me. She completes me. You better be completed before you get with them. Because the objective is that when you get together, y'all become something better together. But you should have been a whole individual before you even got there. You should have learned how to love yourself. You should have had your finances together, your credit together. Don't get with me to get part of my credit score. You better make sure that you can buy your own car. Uh, you don't need my co-sign, and that is not a good foundation for love. Many of us fail to get ourselves together before we even get into a, a relationship. And this is an act where we see that Paul says love does not brag. Pastor, what do you mean love does not brag? How does that equate? How does that all fit together that you have to know who you are? Can I tell you something? Because the biggest problem with people who brag is this. People who brag leave no room for growth. Have you ever been around somebody that always says, oh, I got this. Oh, I got that. Look at me. Look at this. They always feel like they have already reached the peak of where they are. And as a result of it, it leaves no room for growth. I don't need to be in a relationship with anyone that I can't grow with. This is why I believe the church is so hurt right now. Everything, oh, we got all this together. Look at my life. Oh, God has fixed me. Oh, yeah, I'm, I got it all together. I praise every day. I pray every day. I know how to dress. But then we look at everybody else like, you just nothing. You need to get your life together. What they say, get your life. This is how they, we treat people. And the reality is that whenever we're bragging, what we fail to understand is that in our bragging, we are actually putting people down, making them feel like you're not good enough. You don't deserve me. Look at all that I have. Look at all my worth. The worst thing you can do in a relationship is brag about who you are. One of the worst things that I did 
in a relationship is brag about how much money I made. I bought all this. Look at what I did. I got you this. And she reminded me quickly, when I found you, you didn't have none of that. Have you ever thought for a minute that because of me, you somehow got yourself together to get all of that? The worst thing that we all do is that when we reach a point where we feel like we finally done made it, we look down on everybody else. How can you say you love someone when you treat your spouse as if they're not even an equal? When you treat them as because they don't make as much money as you or because they don't work as hard as you, that you're nothing. It does not function like that. It does not, it does not work like that. Real love is not based off of monetary value. You have to get to a point where you understand that I love you simply because of who you are, because of what I can bring to you, what I can offer to you. My, my things that I give you as a representation, they're a gift of my love. That's why it's not hard for me to pay a, a bill for my wife, because her bills is my bills. That's why it's not hard for me to pay a house note, because I do it because I love her. She deserves the best. She don't even know it. I'm, I'm, I'm making this public declaration right now that she's she seen this car that she wanted. This little mini, whatever it is, this little funny-looking bug of a car. I now already started looking for it because of the fact I love her. I don't know why she needs it, but I love her, and if it's something she wants, I want to be able to provide it for her. Don't know when you're going to get it, so don't go home talking about it. I'm just letting you know it's on the agenda somewhere. Love is not about bragging about what you've done. It's not about bragging about how much you have or how better you are than they are. Love sees past all of that. Love sees past all of that because it gets you to a point where you have to understand that there has to be room for growth. As we grow together, we both develop. We both become more than what we are were when we first got there. I was looking at where me and my wife was. We getting ready to celebrate 13 years. And I was looking at where we were 13 years ago and I'm like, man, we have come a mighty long way. You put 200 pounds on me and I, 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 I blessed you. <laughs> We've come a mighty long way. In 13 years, we've grown together. Through good times, through bad times, we've grown together. If we sit there and we, we are always in competition with each other by bragging, there's no room for growth. Your relationship should not be a competition. And when I talk about this, I want to help you. I mean, your relationship as a worshiper, your relationship as a child of God, it's never a competition. We should complement one another. Amen. We're not competing with one another. We should complement one another. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it or how long you've been around. It, all it's saying is, you know what? Let's make each other better. Whenever you brag, it reduces the opportunity to make each other better. And this is what Paul stresses in the text. He says, you, you claim you love me. But love has nothing to do with bragging. Paul goes on to the second principle. He says, not only does love have nothing to do with bragging, but he says that love is not arrogant. I want to help you understand the concept 
of arrogant because when we think about arrogance, the concept that I come with is that not only do we understand that consideration is a product of self-awareness, but consideration is a product of self-denial. If you claim that you love someone, you have to be willing to deny yourself. You have to be willing to deny yourself. Why do you have to deny yourself? Because when you deny yourself, it allows you to make the sacrifice that is needed for the individual or the institute that you are a part of because you claim you love them. Denying yourself is understanding that, yes, I may be great. Yes, I may make six figures. Yes, I may have my life together, but I'm going to deny who I am at this point and be everything that they need me to be. Your wife don't need you to be her daddy. Your husband shouldn't need you to be his mama. Your church don't need you to be their savior. They already got one. His name is Jesus. And so we think of all of these things and we have to understand that in life we have to get to a point where we are willing to deny ourselves. What does it mean to deny yourself? To put, put aside what you want for a change and think of what is better for the team. What do we need to do as a whole? Because I say I love what I'm doing. I, I love what I'm a part of. What is better for the team? Because I have to reduce the I. Well, I think coaches used to say there is no I in team, but there is one in individual. You want to know how to be by yourself? Keep looking out for yourself. Keep looking out for yourself, and you will continually be by yourself. But if you really want to be with someone, if you really want to be a part of something, then you have to get to a point where you have to deny yourself. I have a strategic way that I would always love things to be done. Josh tests me. If y'all don't know Josh, he's at the back at the sound table. He tests me week after week against what I already know that I want. And the reality is that the reason I want what I want oftentimes is because for so long, I've done things by myself. And I know what fits me. I know how things function. I tell Josh every time I see him, man, brother, I love you. Man, I really do appreciate you. But sometimes I have to man up and show Josh and not tell Josh. And so every once in a while, while Josh has sent me a text and I'm like, I, Josh, you know, I don't do well with texts. I don't know your tone in this text, Josh. And he sends me this text and he's giving me orders. And I'm like, I'm the pastor, not you, Josh. What is happening? And every once in a while, I tell Josh, OK, whatever you want. I give him the thumbs up. That's our new things. Thumbs up. That's essentially to say, I agree, even though I may disagree, but go, run with it. And Josh sends me a text back saying, Pastor, I thank you for being open. I thank you for allowing us to try different things. And the crazy thing is, although Josh's way may not be my way, it still works. And his ultimate goal is to get me where I want to be, to a place where I'm not stressed, where I'm not running around, because that's his way to show he loves me. And so I have to understand that it, it, it works. And so then what I have to do is I have to deny myself, get back out of the way, because self wants to control everything. Self wants to dictate everything. But listen, if self don't deny himself, he will be by himself. And so I have to get to a point where I say, if I really love this, if I really love what I'm a part of, if I really love what we're trying to be here, let me get out the way. 
Let me not try to control everything. Let me try to dictate. Have you done that in your relationship? Have you denied yourself? Have you denied what you want? When I have to get up and clean up and pick up for my wife, well, not for her, it's for me. I'm sorry. Uh, Pick up for me in our own home. See, that's my whole view. The way my brain is registered, it just don't even look right. I think I'm doing it for her, but I'm really doing it for me. I got to fix that. I'm going to counseling. It's working on me. Work with me, Jesus. And, and so when I have to do these things that I don't like to do, I have to deny myself. I have to deny myself because I know what I need to do to show her I love her. Let, uh, I, I don't think she probably loves cooking all the time. But I couldn't take it if she didn't deny herself and put them oxtails on the stove. It would, it would be some issues in that house. Baby, hold on. You don't love me no more? What did I do wrong? A relationship requires for you sometimes to take the low road so that everybody can get on the same path. It takes you to back down sometime so that we can all reach our final destination. But when you're not willing to deny yourself, when you're not willing to back off, when you're not willing to allow others input. I tell people, I just told a couple the other day that many of us, when we talk, we listen to lash out and not to learn. Have y'all ever been in a relationship where you're getting ready to say something and you're saying something and they already popping out thinking you know what they're saying? You can't even get out what you're saying. And then my wife just shut down. Now you don't want to listen to me? I'm through. We listen to lash out because if we're already in a, a anger and frustration. Josh, I can testify. I'm messing with you all day today. Josh be already texting me and he be halfway through the text and I'm already texting back. Josh, don't start with me this morning with this mess. I ain't going, I ain't going through this today. Growth is, is not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing, but it's a relationship that I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of that relationship. And so it takes an open line of communication. So this is what I have to do. When Josh texts, I read his text, and, and I might not read it right in the first spirit. The first spirit might be all jacked up. And so I set it down for a minute, and, and I go read it again in the second spirit. And the second spirit is a little bit better. And, and because I want clarity, I text, and I say, Josh, can we talk? And he calls me. He says, you got time. Bree did the same thing to me yesterday. I guess it's in the blood. It's in the family. Bree hit me up. It's like, listen, I got some concerns. We need to talk. And I could immediately hear it in her tone. This was not a pastor and Bree. This was, listen, don't cross me today, pastor. But it's a relationship that I respect. Everything that she did is everything that she sacrificed. And it says, let me hear you out. Let's figure a way. And she did the same thing for me because she said, you know what? Sometimes I got to, I got to experience it. I have to experience it to know. That's how we grow. We all have to get to a point where we're willing to deny ourselves. I'm sorry if, you, if you're not okay with this, that sometimes you're not going to be right. And even when you're right, the best thing to do is act like you're wrong so that you can get to where you need to be. Can you imagine if your relationship is like being stuck in the traffic on I-35 and you turning on your blinker, but somebody is not letting you over, your partner is not letting you over, and all you're doing is fighting and you missing your exit, they're not even getting to where they need to be, and the next thing you find out, y'all are in a wreck, and ain't nobody going nowhere because nobody wanted to back down, because nobody wanted to be considerate of the other person's view. That's what a relationship is about. It's being able to relate. 
Let me be considerate of what you're going through. Let me be considerate of your history, where you've been, because I need to understand who you are so I can be the best person that you need me to be. So you don't need me to be walking around the house bragging. You don't need me to be walking around the house being arrogant. I paid for all this. I made all this happen. That's not what you need from me. The last thing I need is somebody to treat me like this when all I need to do is find a sense of security. Because when you're walking around and you have this arrogant behavior, what you're essentially telling me is that it's yours and not mine. And if you walk, I lose everything. No matter how much time I've put into it, no matter how much I've been invested in it. So how can you say you love me if all you want to do is hold something over my head that you can say I will take away from you? If you don't do what I want you to do. It's not a relationship, that's slavery. And that's what many of us want. We want somebody that we can dictate what you can and what you cannot do. We want to be in ministries that we can dictate what you can and cannot do. That's not allowing opportunity for growth. That's not allowing an opportunity for change, for transformation. That's not allowing a person to believe in God, believe in themselves, and believe in others. If you always want to be about who you want to be. There's a lot of things that would be a lot different if I have not denied myself. My marriage would not be where it is if I did not deny myself. I had to find a place to come to terms with knowing who I am and being confident enough that I didn't have to publicly express that to anybody else. That I can be chill with who I am, where I am, and still be who you need me to be. I don't have to brag. I don't have to be arrogant. The last thing that Paul shares with us, and we'll close on this, is that true love does not act unbecoming. Oh, and this is a good one because not only does love teach us that consideration is a product of self-awareness, not only does love teach us that consideration is a product of self-denial, but love teaches us that consideration is a product of self-discipline. You have to be able to discipline yourself. If you didn't know anything about love, can I tell you today, love is about getting yourself together. This is what we've come to understand, self-awareness, knowing who you are. You can't love nobody until you know who you are. Self-denial, telling yourself that you don't have to have everything that you want. He don't have to be six foot two with seven figures. You got to deny yourself. The last thing that love tells us is that you have to be self-disciplined. Love says you can't act unbecomingly. You can't act unbecomingly. Self-discipline ensures that you never step outside of who you really are. Self-discipline ensures that you never step outside of who you really are. I can't tell you I love you and that I'm going to always be faithful to you, that I'm going to be dedicated to this, that I'm going to serve, that I'm going I'm to sacrifice but I go and do everything that's contrary to what I said. Self-discipline is about understanding that there will be opportunities in your life for you married folks to cheat. There will be opportunities. Just because you get married, these rings, they, they like radars for single people for some reason. 
The minute you get married, people want to come and fool with you. You ain't have nobody in your DMs before you got in a relationship. <laughs> now you all up in a relationship, all booed up, and you got everybody wanting to talk to you. Where was you at six years ago? Girl, go, go, get on. And so there will be opportunities. These, this doesn't say that there will never be a cute woman that will ever try to talk to me. But you know what keeps me from getting into that problem? Self-discipline. Yeah. Me saying, even though you're cute, you ain't for me. I got my own. I already belong to somebody. This is where many of us struggle in our relationship with Christ. We don't have self-discipline. I ain't going to even say you ain't saved. But the minute you get saved, you got that ring on your finger. I'm in a relationship with you, Jesus. Everything up under the sun comes your way. Every drug that you never had access to comes your way. Every man that you ever wanted comes your way. Every woman that you ever needed came your way. All of these things come your way. And it says, are you going to be faithful to me? Are you going to be faithful to this? And we as believers have to get to a position and a point in our lives where we we, that we exhibit self-discipline. When you get saved, sin does not just magically appear, disappear from your life. Because of you are human, because of your humanity, there will always be a desire to sin. It's going to be there naturally. But when you get more and more deeper and deeper infused in the word of God, you get a recipe to help you combat those opportunities. Do you not remember when Jesus, uh, he was blessed by God. You can say it was his opportunity. He was being baptized. He was Christian. He was ordained as the son of God right there by John the Baptist. And he goes into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And after he's done this, he says, man, why did the enemy have to come test me now at my weakest point of my life when I just got things together? Why does he want to come and try me now? He sends him three opportunities. Do you think you're better than God that you can't be tested and tried? But if you love him, you'll deny yourself. Oh, that's going to hurt when you get home. It's going to hurt when you get home because this is what's going to happen. You're going to leave her and boo going to call. And you're going to have to tell yourself, you know what, God, I love you. I'm not going to answer today. And the thing is that you don't overcome sin by a mild jump. It's one decision at a time. It's making one choice to say, you know what, I'm going to do better. I'm going to make the right choice today. And if you begin to look at life that way, then you can begin to begin to move forward as God has called you to do. The reason why many of us fail at, at, at loving God is because we have not learned to love ourselves. We have not learned to love ourselves. You know, the best thing that ever happened to me was my whole pers perspective on life change. My whole perspective on life change. I... I don't spend time wasted talking about yesterday anymore. I used to. If you would have called me three years ago, it was like, when we was in Dallas, we had this and we had that. I don't, I don't care anymore. I can't talk about yesterday because you know what it is? Yesterday is nothing but a memory. It's not tangible. I can't touch it. It's not there. It's gone. And I don't spend time worried about tomorrow. It does not mean that I don't save and invest for the future. But I don't, when I go to sleep at night, I don't worry about tomorrow. Because the reality is tomorrow just does not yet exist. It may not be there. All I have is today. All I have is this moment that I have right now. And so people ask me all the time, why are you always so happy? Why are you always so cheerful? Why do you always tell people you love them? Because this may be the last time I get to tell them because all I have is today. 
I don't have to worry about being the best husband 30 years from now. I just want to be the best husband I can be today. I don't have to be about worrying about being the best pastor later on. I want to be the past, best pastor I can do today. I want to be the best father I can be today. I want to be the best friend I can be today. If all of us lived in the day, imagine how much better life would be. Imagine how much better life would be. But the enemy's biggest trick is having you worry about tomorrow. The enemy's biggest trick is having you worry about tomorrow. Well, if I do this today, what are they going to do for me later? How is this going to work out for me? And so as a result of it, what we begin to do is we lack self-awareness, we lack self-denial, and we lack self-discipline. Because we're always worried about our self. We're always worried about ourselves. When, when you really say that you love someone, you have to get yourself together first so that you can love them the way that they need to be loved. Every once in a while, my wife lets me invite people over to the house. And because I care about people's opinion of me and my family and who we are, and because we're leading people, when, when I invite them over to the house, I don't invite them into a messy house. No matter what my conduct and my behavior was before they get there, that thing gonna smell like fabulosa's been all over that place all year long. <laughs> you won't see not one dirty clothes, nowhere. Shoes belong where they go, everything is right. Fan dusted, everything, everything gonna be right because I, I care about people's opinion. I, I'm concerned when I invite them into my environment. When you're inviting people into your life, you should make sure that you have yourself together. You should want to clean up those broken parts of you. And this is why many of us are steady fighting in our marriages today because we got together while we were still broken. And I'm going to tell you this, it doesn't mean that it has to be over. It just means now instead of worrying about everything else, y'all need to just worry about fixing yourselves now. Can we, can we find healing now where we are? Can we get to a point where we each can deny ourselves so we can create this unique team for who we need to be? Can we become this, this one body that God says that we should be? Yeah. But it takes you to get to a point to say, I don't need to brag. I don't need to be arrogant. I don't, I don't need to be unbecoming. I'm so grateful, and I'll close with this, that our God displayed all of these characteristics. I'm so grateful that God displayed all of his characteristics because I'm so grateful that God shows us his love is full of self-awareness because it takes a person who really knows who they are to do the things that God had to do for us. It takes a person to know who they are, who, who doesn't say, you know what, do you know who I am? Do you know what I can do to you? I'm the one that gave you breath. I'm the one that forms you out of dirt. And this is how you're going to treat me? This is how you're going to behave towards me? Do you not know me? But he does not raise his voice in, in anger with us. He does not treat us in this way. He, he shows us that he has self-awareness. I know who I am. And because I know who I am, I know who they are. They are my creation. They are an extension of me. I breathe my breath into them. And as a result of it, I have to love them no matter what, no matter how broken they are. I love them because I created them with a person. I'm so glad that not only does he have self-awareness, but I'm, I'm glad that he has self-denial. 
Because if it was not for his self-denial, Jesus would never have came down and gave his life for us. He had to denounce who he was to become everything that we needed him to be. It was him that said, you know what, God, I will go lay my life on the line. And instead of being God, I'll just be this lamb that needs to be sacrificed for him. I'll be the redemption factor. I'll be everything that they need me to be. And so he says, I am aware of who I am, but I'm willing to deny my throne. I'm willing to deny my seat to be everything that you have called me to be. And I'm so glad that my Savior has self-discipline because what happens is he has the opportunity to back out. Say, you know what? I ain't going through this. He prays to the Father three times and asks him, listen, if there's any other way, remove this cup from me. Give me another opportunity. Find another way to fix humanity because I know what it's going to feel like when they whip my back. I know what it's going to feel like when they put nails in my hands and nails in my feet. I know what it's going to feel like when they pierce me in the side. And God, if I can be honest with your Father, I don't want to go through it for nobody. But if I have to go through it, I'll go through it for you. It blew my mind when I thought about this because what it shows me is although Jesus does love us, he loved the Father way more. I've been so selfish in my relationship with God and thinking that, oh, Jesus, you just had to save me. You had to sacrifice for me. You had to make these things happen. But the reason he dies on Calvary is for humanity, but it's because of the Father. It was the father that said, I love them, so I need you to do something for me that nobody else could do. I need you to go, be born of a virgin, be talked about, persecuted, ridiculed, abused, and for people to even deny who you are despite what you do for them. And after you've done all of that, I need you to die for them. I believe that Jesus' love magnifies because of the Father's love. Jesus' relationship with us as humanity is intensified because of his relationship with his Father. He gives life value. And I dare to say that if you really want to experience life in the fullness of what it is, that you have to see the value through the eyes of Christ. Because we can never go to the Father except going through the Son. The Son shows us love that has been received and distributed. And we have to get to a point where we can do the same. We have to be willing to deny ourselves and discipline ourselves. Be more aware of who we are and what we have to offer. Because people need love. They don't need to be judged. They don't need to be put down. They don't need to be talked about. They don't need to be isolated. They need to be loved. No matter what their past was or what their future may be, we can have all the lights. We can have the best worship singers. We can have all the cameras. We can have all the property. But if we don't have love, we have nothing. My prayer is that when you leave here today, you will not only be confident in your love, 
But from this day forward, you would be considerate of how you show love and understanding that you're giving people what they need, not because of what you want. Everybody does not love the same. Everybody does not need the same. But you're responsible for finding a way to love everybody the way God desires for them to be loved. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. I want to pray for you today. I want to give you the opportunity also, if you're here today and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you've never experienced his true love. You've experienced tough love. You've experienced an absence of love. But maybe you have never experienced God's true love. And if that's you and you're here on today, I want to give you the opportunity to come and to stand with me in this place as we as we pray. If you want to give God your life, you want to say, Jesus, I accept you for who you are. I accept you for what you've done. I want to give you that opportunity to come. Secondly, if you're here and maybe you've been struggling and there's something that just hadn't been right and you're at a place right now that you need to deny yourself. You need to deny yourself so that you can be everything that God wants you to be. You're already aware of who he is. You're already aware of who you are, but you need to deny yourself and you need prayer. Whatever that thing that you may be struggling with and you want somebody to pray with you, I want to give you this opportunity to come. And last but not least, for everybody that is saying, you know what? I've been looking for a church home. I think this is a place that God wants me to be. I want to make it official. If you want to come, I would love to stand with you and pray with you at this time. If we can do us a favor, do me a favor. Every head bow, every eye close. If you want to come, come at this time. If any one of these categories apply to you and you don't want to really come, but you're feeling a tug at your heart and you want to stay where you're seated while nobody is looking, just throw your hand up in the air and bring it back down. If you need prayer about something, if you're in a position where you're saying that, hey, you know what? I need God to show me who he is. I need to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Uh, if you're looking for a church home, maybe this has been a place that you feel like you might want to be, whatever it is, just chunk your hand up in the air. Amen. Amen. Bring it down. Bring it down. Amen. Let me pray for you right now in this place. Father God, we thank you for all these amazing people. God, I thank you for the things that you're doing. God, I thank you for how you're moving in their lives. And God, I am praying that right now as your word has went out, I'm praying that people's hearts have been changed. That when we leave this place, that there are husbands that would be more considerate to their wives and wives that would be more considerate to their husbands, that there are children that would be more considerate of their parents and parents more considerate of their children, that there are members that would be more considerate of visitors and visitors that would be more considerate of members. God, I am praying that we be everything that you have called us to be. In your son's name, in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. You may be seated. What an amazing word from God. Listen, we thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message. And it's because of that that we want to extend two invitations to you. Our first invitation is if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, for you to actually stop in and worship with us at Believer City Church. We would greatly appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better. The second thing that we would invite you to do is if you want to partner with us in ministry, 
This message has been able to impact your life in any way, form, or fashion. You're able to partner with us simply by going to our website at believercity.org and clicking on the Give tab and just donating whatever God allows your heart to do so. Uh, You can also download our app by going to Google Play or the app store and download Believer City Church. And there's ways that you can connect with us there, pray with us, give, and so many things that you can do to stay connected to the Believer City community. We thank you again for listening to this message, and we look forward to worshiping with you in the future. God bless you.